This is best friend of the show, Monica Cabina, artist and colorist on Batman The Adventures Continue. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Lee, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another bonus episode of the DCAU Review. I am Cal, and with me, my good friend and good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account, it's Liam. Liam, we have another bonus episode where we are covering not one, but two different stories, actually. And uh, both, however, take place in the Batman The Adventures Continue continuity, however, uh, which may or may not be the DCAU continuity. Who knows or cares? But uh, we are here. (laughs) Actually, a lot of people care. But uh, we are here this week to discuss not only the final issue of at least season two thus far that we are aware of, of Batman The Adventures Continue, but we are also talking about a story, a uh, one of the stories in the Tis the Season to be Freezen DC Holiday Special One-Shot that is called Window Shopping, which also, of course, takes place within the DCAU. Uh, boy, excited to talk about both of these things today, but I guess we'll start in order here. We will start with the final issue of Batman The Adventures Continue. That is right, Cal, and it was a explosive finale to this second season of Batman The Adventures Continue. Mayor Mayhem Part 3, once again written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini with Rick Burchett on pencils and inks. Uh, Monica Cabina, best friend of the show on colors. Josh Reed as the letterer, and uh, of course, Andrew Marino as the editor. And uh, boy, I mean, we get into the the storyline portion of this. This is as packed of a single issue of a comic as I can remember reading in a long time. Yeah, there's a lot that happens here. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of character reveals. There's a lot of character introductions. There's wrapping up loose ends. There's sort of maybe introducing plot threads for a potential season three, should there be one. I think, but uh, yeah, we, we, we really get, uh, I guess the main story that we've been following here for the majority of season two, which is the, of course, the return of this mayor Mayfield and this, the running for mayor of Gotham city against Hamilton Hill jr. After of course, Hamilton Hill senior spoiler alert for the first couple of issues. If you hadn't listened to those, I don't know why you're listening to this one, but Hamilton (laughs) Hill senior was seemingly murdered and then revealed to be the leader of the court of owls only to die. So, his oldest son, Hamilton Hill Jr., running against this former Mayor Mayfield. And if you recall, last issue, Barbara Gordon uh, had sort of infiltrated Mayor Mayfield's uh, campaign in an attempt to discover just what was happening, who was behind all of it. Why was he uh, so influential in, in getting Gothamites to support him seemingly? And uh, at the end of the issue, of course, it was revealed that not only was Mayor Mayfield behind uh, his own return, but in fact, he was just uh, one of the members of, of what was uh, the conspiracy that was happening. That, of course, being led by Jervis Tetch himself, the Mad Hatter. So uh, he had supplied him, as we we learn, with this cane that has this, this mesmer rising sort of hypnotic 
feature to it that sort of uh, when you're in its vis- uh, vicinity it allows Mayor Mayhem to, to, to influence uh, those that he's speaking with. We saw this in the last issue with Bruce Wayne sort of being flustered and, and seemingly being influenced by, by Mayor Mayfield and sort of stumbling over his words and accidentally giving him an endorsement. Uh, but this issue, Liam, picks up right where we left off, where after Barbara Gordon was knocked out, we, uh, we get the full reveal of, of just what Mayor Mayfield is up to and just kind of uh, what his plan alongside of the Mad Hatter is for the city. And we also get uh, a reveal of just who that mysterious character was uh, that, was uh, that had a slight British accent, uh, that being another one of Paul Dini's original character creations. That's right. We are introduced to March Harriet, uh, or reintroduced, perhaps, if you are a fan of the detective comics run that uh, Paul Dini wrote along with uh, Dustin Nguyen on art. Um, yeah, they uh, introduced this character as sort of a, a sidekick or a, a, a henchwoman for the Mad Hatter. And uh, yeah, sure, she she has appeared. She is uh, sort of working with, with Mayfield and, and the Mad Hatter and that's not all uh, that's part of this uh, this group, but we'll get to that in a few pages. But yeah, as we established, not only does uh, does Mayfield have this sort of a mesmerizing cane that he can that he can hold up to a crowd or hold up to perhaps to a, and, and broadcast the signal to, to people when he's on television. But uh, there's also some sort of more old school Mad Hatter mind control as we find out that he has uh, hypnotized almost the entire uh, staff at Arkham Asylum, including all of the security guards, as we saw in last issue, causing him to see Clayface when Clayface is not there. And in fact, we, we have that sort of illustrated for us when uh, when Robin tries the earpiece on and uh, immediately sees Clayface and uh, throws some batterings at, uh, at, uh, at a wall and uh, nearly hits Dr. Leland, another uh, <laughs> character returning from uh, Batman the Animated Series, but we quickly find out that Jervis Tetch was discharged for good behavior. And, uh, but unfortunately it turns out that Dr. Leland is the one that signed his release notice, yet though she has no actual memory of doing that. So again, we sort of begin to understand that, that the Hatter has sort of taken control of the asylum and uh, we, we're, treated to a little bit further in that as uh, Batman and Robin track down an old hideout of the Hatters. And that's uh, sort of juxtaposed with Barbara Gordon, who of course, as we noted, had been uh, found out and captured by Mayfield, uh, suddenly turning up uh, at, uh, at her dad's office and everything seems all is right with the world. So there's a there's a little bit going on there, and and before we can find out exactly what's going on with Barbara, we uh, we find out that Bruce Wayne has a visitor at Wayne Manor, and it is of course as mentioned Hamilton Hill Jr. Mayfield's opponent in the mayoral race, who is furious with Bruce for after Bruce Wayne claimed that he always stayed out of elections that he. Uh, accidentally or incidentally uh, endorsed Mayfield, or at least that's how the papers are sort of running with the story. And he's begging uh, Bruce Wayne to endorse him. But before they can kind of have that come to a head, there is a news broadcast where we see a tearful Barbara Gordon claiming that she was sent by Hamilton Hill Jr. 
to infiltrate the honest and good Mayor Mayfield's campaign, and that everyone should in fact vote for Mayfield instead of Hamilton Hill Jr., which really sets off the uh, sort of the the big finale here as as it seems like Mayfield finally has the election in hand. Yes, and so Batman, Batman and and Robin, of course, are are alerted to this and realize that something is amiss because Barbara uh, being on, on, on TV at this point doesn't quite make any sense. But uh, as they are in route, we get a shot back of Barbara who is wearing this headband, which is clearly how the Mad Hatter is controlling her and, and sort of forcing her to say, and wouldn't you know it, we get a little cameo in this little, little, uh, little scene here where our favorite character in the world makes his return a very shocked moment, we learned that uh, there's a volunteer helping a uh, helping Mayor Mayfield out uh, on loan from the Penguin himself. Our, our favorite character, Mr. Wing, makes a reappearance here. He's, he's made his long-awaited return. Uh, of course, he did appear briefly in last month's issue as well, but... Uh, I think you sent me the the screenshot of his his first very surprised and annoyed look that we get uh, in that that first panel there. And it just made my day. I was like, all right, even if that's all the Mr. Wing that we get, I don't know. I don't know if Paul Dini checks his Twitter or how often he checks his Twitter. I know he does, but how often he checks his Twitter or if he's aware of just the the cult following that Mr. Wing has developed. But it really (laughs) feels like he continues to put Mr. Wing in here just for us. That's how I'm choosing to look at it. Like, and, and it's what I, what I hope, but, but look, Mr. Wing is for everyone, not just for us. And I'm, I'm glad that more <laughs> and more people are being exposed to the majesty. That is uh, the man, the bird, Mr. Wing. That's right. uh, which, returning here, as you mentioned, sort of as, as hired muscle on loan from the penguin, uh, and uh, we get we get that sort of juxtaposed with uh, Nightwing being called in. Uh, there's actually I, we should mention there's a, there's just a couple little quirky quirky like cutaway gags to Harley and Ivy somewhere, which I think are really funny. Um, yeah. Where they're where they're talking about the election, and then Harley mentions that she she voted for herself, which is uh, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, and then but then we're we're back to the action. Nightwing is uh, is on the hunt for for Barbara and finds her cell phone taped to the front of a news van. Meanwhile, Batman and Robin go to Mayfield's manor. And while they don't find uh, Mayfield or March Harriet or the Hatter, they do find a very large white feather. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And that's their first clue that wouldn't you know it, that Mr. Wing himself is about about to make an appearance. And, and we actually get Mr. Wing versus Nightwing, which it's there's just something poetic about it mr wing (laughs) Nightwing, and i feel like there's there's one panel which we'll talk about a little bit later where he's even sort of doing the the nightwing pose with his arms stretched out (laughs) and his wings wings uh his wings extended so we get some some fisticuffs between mr wing and he really gets to show off his chops here uh fighting and and really handling his own against uh, batman's uh, former boy wonder here so we have a little bit of fisticuffs that occurs between them and at this point uh they the the mad hatter had sort of felt that Barbara had served her purpose. So he was going to mind control her to commit suicide off of the top of a building. 
uh, and had sent uh, that light, and- fluffy <laughs> superhero action that we're all accustomed to. That's right. And he had sent March Harriet along to make sure that uh, that it, it happened. By the way, for those keeping score at home, it does appear that Nightwing once again does have his uh, have his mullet. So we we do do have a mullet for this issue as we did in his last <laughs> appearance. But uh, yeah, so so Barbara is able to to snap out of it as uh, as actually it looks like Nightwing knocks her knocks her hairband off. So at that point, they also have an ensuing battle. Meanwhile, Batman and Robin are are on their way uh, to do some grilling to figure out what's going on, why Mr. Wing is involved. And uh, so they do their own interrogation, of course, of Oswald Cobblepot, who lets them know that they better head head on over to Arkham. Uh, they send him to to Arkham to Arkham, where we see that uh, yeah, not only has uh, has he taken over Arkham thanks to his the mind control, uh, but he's prepared to release. Uh, a lot of our rogues on Gotham, including the Riddler, Two-Face, and Scarecrow. Uh, we do get an appearance of the Joker, who is claims he is bored by politics and not interested in participating. Uh, so he kind of refuses to leave. And uh, it's at mo- that moment that Batman and Robin actually arrive, and there is a, a short fight between... Batman and some of these uh, and Robin and these rogues, they uh, seemingly have little to no trouble handling them because it's kind of done off screen almost that they're, they're returned to their cells. Uh, And at this point we get the results of the, the election revealed by the Joker who is watching TV in his cell and reveals to Mayor Mayfield that he has in fact handedly lost the election despite his last ditch efforts to upset the race and to uh to to sway the voters any way possible he ends up losing and not only that but uh is he's revealed and exposed as the uh the mastermind behind this whole thing and we, we learn that not only uh did he lose the election but they're now investigating him for past misbehaviors and that he'll be headed to arkham asylum which is weird because i feel i don't feel like he's crazy i feel like he's a criminal so being sent to Arkham Asylum seems counterintuitive or definitely not where he should be. But we do get <laughs> we do get, of course, a uh, a last minute reveal that uh, that Hamilton Hill Jr. did indeed not only win, but got a hearty endorsement from Bruce Wayne on screen later on. Bruce completely contradicting himself. And then, of course, uh, Barbara Gordon <laughs> is announced that Barbara Gordon is going to uh, write a tell-all book about her experience, to which Batman looks at her and sort of quizzically asks, tell-all, and she says that she's going to leave some of the details out, of course, maybe not tell everything. And our heroes, <laughs> our four heroes, finally united together for the first time in quite a while, swing away, and that is how we wrap up the issue. Liam, um, you and I were talking briefly before we went on the air, but there's a lot in this issue, which is interesting, but I th- feel like the issue at times is meandering around, sort of not <laughs> investigating or exploring areas that it didn't need to, and then feels like a rush job at the end uh, with, uh, with the, the villains being released. I, I don't know. It, it, it seems a little disjointed and a little discombobulated at points. Yeah. It's just, there's so much here with you're paying off. Okay. You have, you have the Barbara 
being captured. You have Barber being mind controlled and, you know, making a statement against Mayfield's opponent. You have Mayfield and the Mad Hatter's plan. You have, you have Mr. Wing, of course, which pulls focus, um, which by the way, we found out Mr. Wing can fly, by the way. I don't think we knew that. Yes. Like, don't bury can... the lead. Mr. Wing, full flight capabilities. Yes, he mocks Nightwing for being a, a flightless bird and then takes flight himself. Um, so that's 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 probably the most important revelation coming out of this book. But um, but <laughs> elsewhere in it, you you do have this this side bit of Matt Hatter has taken over sort of all the staff of Arkham, and then right as as they finally free Barbara and you feel like things are starting to wind down, all of a sudden Mayfield's in Arkham, Arkham Asylum promising to free all of the super criminals if they help him kill batman um and, and i understand the idea is that the more the sort of the more unhinged this guy is and you know he's it, the idea is that he's this ultimate hypocrite who's this you know claiming to be this law and order candidate while in reality he's uh in bed with uh you know the worst of the worst uh, uh completely unlike any real life politician <laughs> uh, but uh, no, 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 no commentary being made here, but uh, that that it just it's just a lot. It's a lot for one issue. I feel like I, and I feel like we held off the the Mad Hatter reveal for so long for the end of last issue that we had to deal with that. And and, you know, that crew of people. And then you add in all of the other rogues of Riddler and Scarecrow and Two-Face and we get the Joker stuff like and, and not not any of that i think on its own is bad it was just a lot to kind of pack in and maybe maybe the feeling is from uh from mr burnett and mr dean this is you know this is our big finale so we want to have a bunch of you know a bunch of recognizable faces in there and setting it in arkham asylum is a good way to set up uh, a way to get scarecrow and, and riddler and, and two-face cameos even though they don't have much to do with the story joker as well um but yeah it, it just feel like it, it, it was just a lot it was very jam-packed and then you only have maybe a page or so or maybe two pages to really wrap up everything as you you know you establish that hamilton hills won you establish that bruce wayne endorses him and then this little you know this little snippet of, of barbara writing a book as the the four heroes swing off to each other i wouldn't it's not that i didn't enjoy it it was just it was a lot they jam-packed this thing <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, I, we knew from the from the solicits that DC had put out that this was going to be the the finale, that there was going to be this threat from him sort of releasing the, the heroes. And you kind of think about the the past storylines, maybe in main continuity, you know, Nightfall storylines where they're just you know the, all the villains have been released and running amok, or may, maybe even more more familiar, uh, you know, more recently with the Arkham games where you just have different villains running around and Batman has to deal with stopping all of them at the same time. And this really doesn't feel like that. It didn't ever feel like Batman, there was a threat to Batman. That that was, I think, what was missing from this episode or from this issue was there, there didn't seem to be any tension anywhere other than is Barbara going to be forced to jump off the top of this building that's the only sort of like hold your breath moment the rest of it is all right uh batman's running from place to place and batman oh batman found uh the, the old lady at the at the place where <laughs> where they investigated happened to be wearing a hat that led them to the mad hatter and, and figuring out that the mad hatter was involved it was like uh, all right 
all right. It, it just seems like it's a bit of a stretch. And then again, it's very <laughs> jam packed. You have all of these characters, which is great and fun, but it did. It just felt like there was so, so much that it left very little time for anything to breathe. And it felt like there was very little time for anything to really make sense based on what we're reading. Like the Joker stuff is funny, but was that yes. pivotal? Did we need a, a do we need three quarters of a page for that? Probably not. We are all about any and all Mr. Wing appearances, of course. More <laughs> Mr. Wing, the better. Getting a solo title. Yes, we are behind this. But the fight between him and Nightwing, I get it. There's not a whole lot of other Fisticuffs action, other because they limited the fight between this release of super criminals and Batman to three panels later on in the issue. But Yes. Did we need a page and a half of Nightwing fighting Mr. Wing? Not pivotal to the story. No, I think Batman versus the rest of the rogues probably would have been a better, a better visual probably for the rest of the issue. But so it does feel like maybe this is if, you know, if they weren't going to stretch this out into two, an additional issue into an eighth issue that they maybe backed themselves or wrote themselves into a corner to get too much stuff uh, solved here. Um, I think, you know, the, the interactions between Bruce and Hamilton Hill and trying to figure out that whole interaction where they're fighting about rehashing things from the last issue about him not endorsing him, I felt like was superfluous. I didn't need it. We already knew that that was a thing and that Hamilton Hill was upset about it. Why did we need another scene with him pressuring Bruce again, especially because there was no payoff to that. We didn't get a reveal that Hamilton Hill is secretly the leader, the new leader of the court of owls or that, you know, that he himself had some sort of technology that was, uh, you know, convincing Bruce to, to go against this mandate of not, not endorsing political figures, whatever it is though. Uh, there, there seems to be a lot of things that, time that was spent with things that didn't need to be spent on that probably could have fleshed out some of the other action and let some of this stuff breathe. So um, of course we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the story. We enjoyed the season. Um, I think looking back and comparing season one to season two, I think season one for a lot of reasons ended up having a more at least somewhat cohesive finale this yeah. felt extremely rushed and just kind of muddy in places and like too much. It felt a little bit like Spider-Man three compared to Spider-Man <laughs> one in the original T Tobey Maguire series. Like you got all this stuff that's happening that you decided to jam pack that needed to be in this. And it leaves a very unsatisfying feeling in a lot of areas. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, there's a lot, like I said, a lot of the individual elements of this story i think are interesting and and you know what is what does gotham look like in the post mayor hill area uh, era is interesting and and bruce wayne's choice to stay out of politics like there's interesting stuff there and then there's a lot of fun to be had obviously i'm definitely never going to complain about more mr wing especially in action against nightwing that's a lot of fun um uh, but it feels like maybe if we had kept it just to mad hatter and 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 march harriet and mr Mr. Wing as, as kind of the big bads that, uh, that our heroes had to take down rather than adding in all of those extra villains uh, in, in the last few pages there. I think maybe that would have been, that could have been a little bit more of a, of a satisfying conclusion. Cause I, I liked the idea of it, not of doing kind of an entire season that didn't really involve a, a Joker or a, a, a two face or somebody that's like a really, a really obvious sort of big name 
uh, Batman villain that we've seen tons of stories of in the in the DCAU already. I like the idea of taking somebody like the Mad Hatter and having him sort of literally be a theoretically be like a kingmaker who's who's going to help you know help this this you know terrible man sort of seize power in Gotham City again. I think that's a really interesting idea, and so yeah, to see it a, a little bit muddied down with the addition of all of those extra villains kind of thrown in there at the end. Again, it's fun. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't want, I don't want anyone to think I'm totally crapping on this or anything. I, I enjoyed it. It's a bombastic finale with lots of uh, memorable faces and everything. And we'll certainly talk about the art in a second here, but yeah, overall, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's pretty good, but just too much going on uh, from a narrative perspective. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's we're, we're pretty much landed in agreement with that <laughs> big surprise. Yeah, Liam, I guess we can transition now to speaking a little bit more on the art uh, from this week. Of course, as you mentioned, uh, Rick Burchett or Burkett, however you pronounce it, uh, is uh, once again returning to finish out this issue. And of course, best friend of the show, Monica Kubina, also on colors. Uh, So I I think uh, it's pretty well documented that... uh, Mr. Burchett is not uh, not my favorite artist, and I, I don't think he's I don't think he's your favorite artist either. Uh, respectfully, respectfully saying that uh, we understand, of course, uh, still still rooting for and uh, prayers up for from Mr. Ty Templeton and his recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, we understand that he was put in a position, uh, Mr. Mr. Burchett was that. Uh, unfortunately is probably very unenviable in which you have a, a well-known beloved artist uh, that uh, is, is uh, unfortunately due to circumstances beyond anyone's control, can't, uh, can't fulfill his, his, uh, his, uh, his, his commitment to artwork. So uh, he has to slide in at the last minute. And we've seen some issues that I would say would lend to say that maybe the, Mr. Burchett's best days for artwork are behind him. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think this issue specifically, there are some, th- some things that I think were better. I don't think there's too much that was asked. There's not a lot of dynamic poses. I think most of the dynamic posing comes in the fight between Mr. Wing and, and Nightwing. Um, there are some, some weird off model looking perspective dynamics that I think are featured throughout most of the drawings. But if you chalk that up to that just being his style and you're not trying to fit this into a Bruce Tim style artwork, it's a little bit easier, I think, for me to digest. Um, but yeah, I think most of the most of the highlights would would be in that action sequence there, because again, I don't think there's there's not a ton of action that ends up occurring for the, for the issue itself, because we have so many stunted, stunted action sequences to begin with. We have very little fighting that occurs outside of that, that sequence there. Yeah, I think, I definitely think the standout is the, the the Mr. Wing fight, as you said, um, it's a lot of fun, as as we said. Not only is it uh, we learn that he he does in fact have wings, which I don't necessarily know were visible in <laughs> in previous uh, incarnations or in previous appearances and his fights with Batman or his uh, his fight with a uh, straight man and near the end of season one, and we hadn't really seen him in action this year. So 
Uh, very thankful for all of that Mr. Wing content. That's definitely, I think, and I think that's pretty well, you know, the, the action of that beat is, is, is pretty well, pretty well drawn and, and, and colored by, by Mr. Burchett and, and Monica in, in that case. I think it's, it's a pretty fun, fun scene to just see Nightwing facing off with this big hulking uh, bird monster and uh, even the way that they, they sort of uh, sort of defeat him where he you know ties the the rope and we actually do get the, the return of Nightwing hat and the, I think he only uses it like once or twice in the actual series but Nightwing has like his own batarangs mm-hmm. and he's like his night his Nightwing orangs and uh, they do make a reappearance here as he has like his own ropes with his his throw throwing things attached to him that he uses to take down Mr. Wing. So I appreciated that uh that impact. And then as 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 Barbara kind of faces off with uh, it's funny, we've been talking about that quite a bit in uh in Justice League Infinity in our reviews of that comic lately. But as Batgirl sort of faces off or Barbara really faces off with March Harriet get a little bit of Kirby crackle as, as she like knocks her into like an electrical panel and sort of zaps her there. So I thought that was a, that kind of fun sequence as Nightwing is kind of descending on them, sort of gliding down to the unconscious Mr. Wing and then Marsh Harriet as, as Barbara kind of stands triumphant. I think that's, that's pretty fun. And then brief though it may be, I do, I do really like seeing that, that brief uh, interaction where, where Robin is, is facing off with the Riddler and Two-Face and then, and then Scarecrow a little bit, as well as uh, Batman taking down uh, Mad Hatter with a uh, with a batarang. But yeah, it's interesting for as much as going on in this issue. I think the the standout visual moments, like I said, we already kind of mentioned it in plot, but I really liked that those cutaways to Harley and Ivy. I thought they were so funny and cute, and I think her reaction to sort of some, Summer Gleason sort of making fun of the fact that there was one write-in vote for Harley Quinn I think it's very like I really like that panel a lot of and and Ivy sort of reassuring her I think that's that's really cute and then and then yeah the when I guess when Mayfield sort of becomes like super unhinged and attacks the Joker I think that's a uh, that's a pretty funny panel as well there so yeah it's, it's interesting we don't uh, we there's there's not a ton of action until those last few pages where it's really all all action, but uh, I think I think maybe my my single favorite panel, if I had to pick one, is is probably just that the very final shot of the issue of the of our four heroes swinging together with the uh, you know the red the red Gotham sky behind them, and they're also swinging off into the night. And uh, as uh, as the comic title would tell you, as the adventures continue on, whether whether we get to see any more of those adventures or not, I I like the the ending of of the four swinging off together. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think those are those are really some some highlights. Like I said, uh, a lot of the issue being sort of muddied and not having as much action as we've seen, sort of lens and and just generally. Um, not loving Mr. Merchant's artwork compared to uh, compared to the other artists that we've seen featured on this book. I would say that it, it was harder for me to pick out some standouts as far as the, the panels are concerned. I will say that the, the shot of the Joker sitting in his, in his, uh, in his cell gleefully sort of peering back at Mayfield and Batman giggling at the realization that all of this work was for nothing. I thought that that was actually a really dynamic panel. I think it, it looks like there, there was some work put into that, that panel to make it sort of stand out. Monica did some really great job with the coloring there and, and the shadowing and stuff like that that it was ultimately built into the 
into the drawing, I think ended up staying, uh, making it stand out. Would you say uh, that perhaps in this issue specifically, maybe even in that final panel where Bruce and, uh, and Hamilton Hill are shaking hands that Hamilton Hill slightly resembles uh, the, perhaps the 46th president of the United States a little bit. He's got, I think he has a, a hair. I think the, it's in the hair and a little bit in the jawline. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know I, if that noticed, was intentional. Yeah. I don't know if it was intentional or not. We were, we were sort of talking plot wise, whether or not the, the plot sort of the, the idea that this guy was attempting to, to sway the masses with mislead them and, and stuff, whether or not there was any sort of commentary on United States politics in, in the year 2020s, a presidential election or not. I think you could mm-hmm. read into it maybe if you wanted to or not, but I did will say that it goes along with that, that, uh, at least some of the the inspiration for Hamilton Hill's appearance in this issue specifically sort of resembles a little bit of of the the forty six uh, a little bit there. So um, I will say that there are some there's some good Batmobile shots actually too. There's at least two or three of them. There's a there's a head on shot of the Batmobile. There's a shot of Nightwing on his motorcycle. I think that that is actually a pretty pretty neat shot also and then we get a couple of speeding batmobile shots uh, one sort of uh from the perspective uh just a, a side side view perspective with a streaking behind it which is really good and then one is sort of a, a head-on shot that i thought looked looked pretty dynamic as well but um monica's colors i think uh, again there's a lot of variation between them uh, from scene to scene you know we start out with with that uh with with Barbara in that initial uh, her being captive and that whole scene is sort of lit by this pink hue and then we get to Arkham and Arkham has you know the dark cold blue and then the the cells themselves are lit up with those sort of uh, bright orange yellow lights Uh, and then you know we get a couple of more dynamic panels later I think the shot of Wayne Manor on the hill there's like a you know a red orange sunburst uh, that she decided with the colors uh, there. And then the shots of Bruce in the Bruce has been doing some tanning. I see that at least compared to Alfred in those, in those shots uh, with him doing the investigation, <laughs> Bruce's Bruce's real tan and Alfred has not seen the sun in a while clearly. So, uh, but I, I do think that that those, the colors in those, and then again, when Bruce heads up to the manor, we get it, it appears to be at sunset. So we get, you know, the Wayne Manor bathed in sunlight, which is right out of out of the, you know, out of Batman, the animated series, you know, the last laugh and some of those other episodes where you would see Wayne Manor typically bathed in that orange glow of, of sunset. So um, she, uh, you know, big surprise, no big surprise here that that Monica continued to crush it. And then, the of course, the blood red skies of Gotham for the majority of that, that Mr. Wing interaction that we got. And then, uh you know, the, the blues, as you mentioned, the Kirby crackle and, and then sort of the darkness, the dark blues in that, in the the final scene in, in Arkham as she sort of, um, you know, it's gets you the dingy dungeon basement feel of, of Mayfield sort of leading this revolt in at, uh, at Arkham. So all of that, very good. Um, as far as the colors are concerned, no big surprise there, but yeah, I would say that uh, hopefully uh, if there is a third season, um, you know, I think both of us, if, if Mr. Templeton is unable to to return for health reasons or perhaps just wants to focus on on, you know, on anything other than art, that's certainly his prerogative and well-deserved. 
But, you know, if, if Mr. Templeton is not able to return, I think that uh, my hope and vote for is, is for uh, Jordan Gibson to hopefully take over artwork. Uh, let's, uh, let's, I guess, use that to parlay. Liam, there's no more guessing as to what's going to happen next in this. I guess the only thing we can speculate for Batman the Adventures Continue would be, uh, are we going to get a third season? Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Um, it's it's hard to say. Obviously, this one did not end on as dramatic a cliffhanger as season one did, although obviously they had seven issues to work with and they chose seemingly pretty directly to not uh, sort of tie up the, the season one uh, cliffhanger of Deathstroke and Jason Todd uh, seemingly working together going forward. So we will sort of have to wait and see if uh, I would think if you, you could bring that back, you obviously had the, the Court of Owls could always make a, a resurgence. We sort of spent a lot of time predicting that they were going to come back in a later issue, and that obviously never happened here, or that they would perhaps have a, a hand in this mayoral election, and that was not the case. So there's definitely, I think, threads that have not been resolved, but the ending did not necessarily make you feel like they definitely they're definitely coming back for another year of this i like i said i certainly hope so um it's been a lot of fun you know obviously as you said you know mr templeton's health issues it's 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 tough to to you know the the art went through some 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 growing pains with mr burchett like i said i i think his art got better progressively and that could just be because he had more time to work on the later issues but um uh but I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I think I would certainly like to see more of this. Um, whether or not Mr. Burchett was the artist, I too would would vote for, you know, uh, for for Jordan for for Jordan. They I think they just understand and, and really get uh, the DCAU and are clearly very hungry to uh, to explore that world artistically, as we will get to in a moment here in our second story that we're reviewing. But uh, yeah, overall. Hard to say, like I said, because they didn't really give us any inkling of a, of a thread other than threads that we already know are hanging from previous issues or previous seasons. So it's it's really hard to say, but you know, fingers crossed, we're we're getting a third season. Yeah, I, I think uh, hope hoping so, as we always say here. Even if even if the artwork wasn't my favorite, or you know, some of the the story itself wasn't wasn't uh, what i would have desired for a, a finale of an issue i think as we always say here uh, more dcau content is always a good thing for us and uh, not only just because it allows us to perpetuate our podcast but also because <laughs> you know it's it's clearly something that we enjoy it's why we have a podcast discussing this stuff there's it's why there's a lot of super fans out there that enjoy talking about this so um, i would hope that maybe we get some some paths crossed for a next season uh, if we were to get them maybe bring Jason back. You let Jason sort of not be a, a character in this season, bring Jason and Deathstroke back, maybe have them cross paths with the, uh, with the court of owls. Maybe there's a team up there. Maybe it's a, I, I still think that the idea of a, a, a 
season long arc would be beneficial, perhaps something that that hangs in the background and ultimately covers the entirety of the seven issues, or maybe just hangs out in the background, sort of like the Jason story did mm-hmm. for the first four or five issues of the, the first season. And then, then you bring the, the, the culmination in the final few issues. I think that, that that would be very effective, especially if you're going to, to bring or reintroduce any of those threads. But yeah, here's hoping that we get an announcement within the next couple of weeks or months for a, another new season here, because uh, we love, love seeing this. We love uh, talking about this stuff and uh, seeing DCAU content uh, on our, our comic book newsstands or in our, our comiXology downloads uh, every, every week is uh, never a bad thing and nothing that we will ever complain about. But all right, Liam, let's move on to our, our second part or our second story that we'll cover today. And as we mentioned, DC Comics announced a few weeks ago that they were going to be dropping their annual, uh, what I guess what used to be called an annual, now it's a holiday special or a holiday one shot, or it, it's gone through a, a various different names. But this, uh, this year's 2021 edition is called Tis the Season to be Freezen. That's right. It's a collection mm-hmm. of a bunch of different stories by some fantastic writers and artists. And of course, we jumped for joy when we heard that uh, Alan Burnett and Paul Dini would be gracing us with a short short story done by Jordan, the aforementioned Jordan Gibson and Monica Kubina, uh, better known here on the podcast as the world's finest. And uh, boy, howdy, Liam, we, we started getting some glimpses. Jordan started dropping some images on Twitter. And then Monica started dropping some images on Twitter and we immediately saw that there were going to be some, some at least homages to that classic Batman adventures, holiday special story between Batman and Mr. Freeze. Jordan, uh, we had an interaction on Twitter and mentioned that, uh, the, that that was something that, was referenced as uh, as artwork was being done for for the story so very very excited and uh i i think i think this delivered i i think that the story itself is a is a fun little tale it's only i think eight pages long or something like that but talking about maximizing your story and a very little bit of space boy howdy i think between the visuals and the story itself Amazing, amazing story by Paul Dini and and Alan Burnett really gave me the warm and fuzzies and really felt like a sister companion piece to that that classic Batman Adventures holiday special story, uh, also featuring Mr. Freeze. Yeah, that to me is is the is the biggest thing is, yes, there's uh, uh, some really touching homages in the art. But yeah, the 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 story, as it were, written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, Josh Reed, once again, doing the lettering. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, uh, Jordan Gibson and Monica Gabino on art. It's, it is this, this really simple story of, of Tim Drake, Robin, being in, uh, in downtown Gotham on Christmas Eve, frustrated because he's waited to the last minute to get a, a Christmas gift for Bruce. And uh, he sees sort of the perfect toy or the perfect item. We, we find out later what it is, but... Uh, in a, a sort of a vintage uh, toy store or antique store that he uh, he just knows he has to have it. But as he's uh, discussing things with the owner, he uh, hears a commotion outside. And when he goes out, he notices that, uh, that uh, as the song says, it's cold outside. And, uh, <laughs> and in fact, 
not only is there uh, inclement weather in facing Gotham City on this Christmas Eve, but it's being made worse by Mr. Freeze. And this is maybe the first homage to that uh, that Glenn Murakami uh, drawn and colored story from the from the Batman Adventures holiday special, which is the return of the giant freeze cannon as he uh, as he stomps through Gotham City, just uh, icing up storefronts and, and just creating a uh, an absolutely uh, un, uninhabitable area of the city. A winter wonderland, if you will. Um, yeah, this this uh, this story, by the way, is called window shopping. I don't know if I mentioned that, but there's mu- multiple layers to that. As as you said, Robin springs into action once he realizes that Mister Freeze is responsible for the the worsening storm, and uh, there's there's some some fisticuffs and interaction that happens between them because uh, really the police start to escalate things and. And Robin has to swoop in to make sure that no one's going to get hurt in the whole mess. Uh, Mr. Freeze does have a little bit of a heart as he decides that he's not going to kill the policeman and instead simply uh, simply freezes him all the way up to his uh, to his head, basically. And uh, thus begins a, a little fight between Robin and Mr. Freeze. And Robin's really just out to get to the bottom of uh, of what's going on, why Mr. Freeze is uh is is doing what he's doing at, at, on christmas eve of all days like what what what's his goal um meanwhile of course there's also this slight worry that he's robin himself is not going to get the perfect gift uh, that he picked out for bruce because mr freeze is using this cannon to to ice things over and uh, so there's a there's a brief interaction between the two of them as as Robin continues to sort of be Robin and be quippy and taunt him in the middle of the battle. But we really get to the heart of the story that gives us sort of the um, the the crux and, and another layer to the, the Victor Free story is in the midst of the battle, he realizes that there's, he sort of walled himself and Robin in and he realizes that there is an additional family that has stuck in and Robin uh, goes to throw an exploding batarang to, to, to break them free. And Mr. Freeze actually holds the batarang and, and breaks the, the ice down himself, allowing the family to go free. And that, that sort of is, is where this conversation between Robin sort of just asking him, why, why are you doing this? Like what's, what's behind this? Why are you here icing these stores over? And that's where you really get uh, Mr. Freeze's heart for, for why he tells this really touching story. Yeah, we, uh, we, we find out a little bit about, uh, about who Victor Freeze was long before the, you know, the tragedy of, of Mr. Freeze with, with his wife and everything. We find out more about his, his childhood, in fact, and, that he, you know, he grew up as the the son of two professors who were very demanding, very uh, very strict with him, and 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 didn't uh, necessarily allow him to go out and enjoy himself like other children he knew. But uh, that Christmas was sort of a special moment because every year they would come to Gotham Square and they would go around and 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 sort of window shop and then and look around and just sort of take in the Christmas season. And uh, he wanted an opportunity to sort of re-experience that with the weather being bad. He thought 
that this would be a chance the city might be uh, in this area of town might be deserted and that he could uh, that he could sort of expedite that process by by bringing the snow in a little bit quicker and uh, in the process perhaps he could experience something that he that uh, the old Victor Freeze found great joy in and though he isn't uh, isn't maybe it's it's not really clear how he uh, how much joy he can still feel at this point but he he's clearly sort of trying to connect with with this sort of childlike wonder that he had for for the Christmas season and and for this area of Gotham in particular but uh, as he uh, as he sort of discusses this with Robin he uh, he agrees that he did not mean any any harm and at least not today and uh, because of that, uh, as, as the cops are finally able to sort of break in, uh, Mr. Freeze surrenders and, and Robin sort of frees the, uh, the, the owner of the store who had been trapped and uh, gives him, uh, gives Robin the, uh, the, the wrapped toy for, uh, for Bruce, asking him if he could give it to that, to, as Robin refers to him, a whiny kid worrying about a wrapped present outside. And <laughs> so we do get, and that's, that's sort of our, our double finale here as we get, not only we get uh, Tim, Tim gifting Bruce with a, uh, with a, a new gray, gray ghost toy or an old gray ghost toy, perhaps, but Bruce never knew existed. And along with that, we see, uh, we see that he also got Alfred a few uh, lovely gifts to get him in the Christmas spirit but that's uh, not where Tim's spirit of generosity ends, as we also see in, in the last few shots, as uh, as Mr. Freeze is back in uh, in uh, back in prison, we see a present dropped off for him, and, and and we see that Robin had in fact taken a picture of that storefront that uh, that Mr. Freeze had been sort of staring longingly at, and we see it right aside the uh, the the ballerina. Uh, music box from uh, from heart of ice and that's sort of where our, where our story ends where it's uh, it's it's a nice really simple message right as at the end there is that it's not the it's not necessarily the gift but it's the little things and those memories uh and that it's it's always good to try to bring a little joy to others lives so it's a nice simple holiday message easy to absorb but it's uh it's wrapped up in a nice little bow and it's and it feels very much uh, in line with not only as, as we've talked about an homage to this previous uh, Paul Dini written story, um, but also uh, sort of a, you know, another chapter in the, in this sort of tragic DCAU Mr. Freeze story that we find out a little bit more about him and, and that, uh, that Robin takes the time not only to celebrate Christmas with, with Bruce and Alfred, but also to, at least attempt to uh, to bring the tiniest spark of joy to this uh, to this cold uh, cold cold heart of Mister Freeze. Yeah, I I love the narration at the end too that Robin gives. He's he's talking to 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 Alfred about the gift, and Alfred's incredibly th- enthralled by his gift. And Robin does this sort of narration that would have, if this was a a a episode of Batman the Animated Series, would have played over the the next scenes. And he's sort of narrating. He says. Uh, it's, it's like this. You hang out with people long enough, you get an idea of who they really are and what they like. The little things that give their lives some joy. And even though you might not hit the mark every time, it never hurts to try, right? And simultaneously, we get Mr. Freeze getting this picture, as you mentioned, uh, of of the storefront. And um, it's it's just, I think, 
we know that Paul Dini can write an amazing Christmas story because we've seen comfort and joy. And we, you know, ironically, we're, we're covering that uh, as a, as an extra bonus episode next week, we're releasing in place of our standard episodes. So it gives me that same sort of warm and fuzzy feeling that you get at the end of comfort and joy. It's just, it's a nice little bow. It's a holiday season feel Robin, not only winning the gift exchange, this thing that he was worried about with Bruce, but then also crushing it with Alfred, who's thrilled with this Santa <laughs> Claus mug. And then, then to like, to, to wrap it all up, he gives the villain of the story that's causing all this havoc and almost cost him this present for Bruce. He gives him his own little gift as a thank you. As, as just a little like, hey, it's it's Christmas. I'm going to give this to you today. It just it's so good. This this I think, man, it's it was the highlight probably of my of my holiday season thus far. It's just it's so enjoyable. And we'll get into the artwork that accompanies it in just a second here. But uh, Dini and Burnett, believe it or not, those guys uh, can put their heads together and come up with a with a nice little short story. And uh, and when it comes to Batman, I'll say that. Yeah. And I, I just, and I love, and I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before um, character of Tim Drake is very special to me and has always been one of my favorites. So to see the character sort of told through his lens and, and to have this, this sort of, even again, even though it's, it's an eight page story with a very simple uh, sort of a, you know, moral summed up at the end there of, you know, just, you know, try, you know, it's kind of, it kind of boils down to it's the thought that counts, right? If you, if you know someone and you give them something that you think they'll like, you give it to them from the heart that sometimes you'll hit the mark and you, and you can give someone something really special. It's nothing, it's nothing particularly complicated. It's no, you know, it's not, there's a deep, you know, secondary moral ambiguity to this story. It's, but it is, it is really cool to see, uh, you know, to see this story told through, through Robin's perspective, through a younger character's perspective, especially as a companion. We've seen, you know, Batman have this adventure against Mr. Freeze on Christmas Eve, once upon a time, where he sort of had this very different uh, experience with Mr. Freeze. Um, whereas, and, and then Robin has a similar yet, you know, in some ways pretty different uh, adventure with him and then sort of learns different motivations about him and and maybe learns a little bit deeper of who the man victor freeze is if that man you know maybe if that man doesn't quite exist anymore as mr freeze sort of says almost talks about victor freeze as a separate person in the issue but seeing seeing robin sort of let him experience that and 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 then letting uh, you know Mr. Freeze allowing himself to be taken in by authorities, and then Robin still choosing to uh, to try to brighten his day a little bit with uh, with the the photo at the end. It's just it's just great, and it's it's what you want. I think your your superheroes to be, or it's what I want my superheroes to be. We talk about this a lot, but you know I want I want them to be you know they they're the people that we are striving to be every day, and I, I like the idea that the superhero it's not just about you know him taking care of his own but it's about reaching out to his his mortal enemy who may or may not try to kill him the next time they see each other but he's still on this day it's the holiday ceiling and he was feeling gent and he was feeling in the giving spirit and he tries to give mr freeze a little bit of of christmas joy there so i just i love the simplicity of it and i love 
you know, kind of what it says about about Tim as a character and about about Robin and then Batman and the sort of Batman outlook on on here on heroism and justice as a whole. Yeah, it's very much the Snoopy and the Red Baron from the uh, from the old the old Christmas song there, where, <laughs> where it's Merry Christmas, my friend, even though that they're they're mortal enemies. So it, yeah, it, it's 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 great. We've I think I don't know if there's anything else that I can say about just how enjoyable this is. Uh, go out of your way to get this to pick this up um, if you if you can. Um, it's it's just it's great. It's enjoyable and. Um, I think that will probably lead to to us talking about the artwork, which we already mentioned. World's finest on the case here, Jordan Gibson and Monica Kubina. And we already saw an entire issue that Jordan drew that was, I think, the highlight of season two of Batman The Adventures Continue for me art-wise. Jordan, to me, clearly understands and is a fan of Batman The Animated Series, understands the dynamics, what makes it interesting, what makes it work. And the visuals that Jordan chose for this issue, again, some homages to that Batman Adventures story, which if you grew up reading that, that, that issue, like I did, like we did, that story, like we already talked about, is, stands out. It's very important that Glenn Murakami art from that issue is, is a huge standout. And I, I think that Jordan also gave, there's some definitely some, some expressions that Robin has in a couple of these uh, panels that look a little bit more like the Teen Titans Robin. So I think there's some, some Murakami in, in a <laughs> lot of what Jordan ended up doing for the artwork here, uh, specifically for the issue. But Man, every panel there, you can just feel the love for this, for this art style uh, from Jordan and Monica in every panel, in every panel, it feels so authentically DCAU, it puts you in there. And some of the panels are just absolutely breathtaking. There's, we say that a lot, but there's some that are just you just have to sit and pause. There's there's one shot of Mr. Freeze where he's as he's telling this tale to Robin. And uh, th- I mean, that whole sequence is incredible because there's a there's a shot where he's leaning over and looking into the window, looking back at him and the reflection is the younger version of him. And that continues through a series of panels. We get a split shot of him as a child versus him as as Mr. Freeze sort of half and half. And then that fades into this single panel of Mr. Freeze stoically looking at you. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible piece of artwork that is, is just, it's beautiful. I don't know if there's another way to put it. And that leads into two panels of Robin sort of in the classic Batman pose, fully in shadow with just the lenses of his mask standing there. That whole page. I think I'd have to break down my favorite pages. That's probably my favorite page in the entire in the entire short story. But the artwork throughout, Liam, I think we could just go on and on and on and on for hours, probably. At least I could <laughs> about how gorgeous this whole thing is. Yeah, it was all right. Uh... <laughs> i'm kidding of course it's uh it might be my my favorite story i'm trying to think from an art perspective there are very few stories this year um i thought you know on a short list i think this is up there with like some of jorge jimenez's work in the mainline batman book this year for some of my just favorite interior artwork that i've seen this year in this issue, um, you know, Monica, best friend of the show, her, the, the way the, the story starts where it's 
you know, it's light, it's, it's snowing and there's sort of that Christmassy feel, but it's still sort of, sort of your normal color palette. And then once really from the first panel that Mr. Freeze enters the shot, there's this sort of cold bluish hue over everything for sort of the rest of the issue up until we finally are back in Wayne Manor at the end there. And we sort of return to normal. There's this really sort of dark bluish hue to everything. And, and that's sort of contrasted. There's not a lot of, a ton of background detail, which I think really works because you have the, you know, the blacks and the sort of the pale blues of Mr. Freeze's suit, the white face with the red eyes. And of course you have this bright red Robin suit that sort of stands against these darker, more muted backgrounds. And of course we've, as you mentioned, Cal, several shots in, in sort of the silhouette, there's a shot as uh, Mr. Freeze is sort of continuing to sort of wall off this area of the city where Robin sort of arrives behind him and is sort of perched and you see, and you see him sort of approaching uh, Mr. Freeze in that way. But yeah, that, that sequence that you already mentioned of Mr. Freeze sort of staring longingly into the, uh, into the store window where you see the reflection is, is quite incredible. And, and, uh, and then, yeah, there, I think that the first sort of scene as Robin bursts onto the scene is a, is a, that, that panel, it's sort of a, sort of a half page spread, I guess you would call that. You have, several panels of Mr. Free sort of taking down the cops and sort of continuing his, the beginnings of his rampage. And then Robin sort of comes sweeping in and, and, and hits him with a kick and it sort of springs into action from there. And uh, speaking of homages to that, uh, that Glenn Murakami art, there's a shot that's uh, sort of a, a beautiful uh, bookend mirror image sort of, of the, of a specific moment where, in the in that story, uh, Mr. Freeze knocks Batman back, shouting "Be gone!" And here uh, we have Robin being knocked back as as Mr. Freeze demands that he leave him alone. But it's sort of posed in a similar way. It's not an exact carbon copy, but it is, I think, a pretty clear homage. As we as we've talked about, uh, Jordan has already sort of alerted us that they were uh, they were certainly looking at that uh, that issue in that story when uh, when they were writing or when they were drawing the art for this issue and 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 again it and some of the uh, the like the detailing in the, the, these ice sculptures that that uh, that Robin's knocked into at one point and and then uh, as as we've already mentioned sort of that that last few pages even the uh, the moment there is as Tim sort of pulls out the uh, the exploding batarang and he's about to seemingly put a hole through the wall and you just see this almost like out of a horror movie or something you just see sort of the top half of Mr. Freeze's body sort of staring down at him it's such a dramatic visual and then and then right down to those last four panels as we we sort of enter, enter again to that cold sort of dark prison cell that we may have seen it may be the same prison cell from Heart of Ice even and, uh, and Mr. Freeze sitting in his cell and he unwraps the present and you see him sort of proudly display it next to that, uh, that a little, uh, the, the, the dancer and that, that played music from the, uh, from the Heart of Ice episode and sort of put on this little icy mantle as we end things there. It's, uh, it's breathtaking. It's, it's some of the, like I said, I think it's some of the best interior comic book art of uh, of any comic I have read this year, and uh, it's it's really incredible, and it's it pairs so well with the narrative of the story. Yeah, it's it's I, I don't I think we've run out of <laughs> out of superlatives to describe it. 
Um, you know, as you mentioned, Monica's colors, the, the blue, the deep uh, that, that, well, it's not deep, that ice sort of light blue colors that she chose, uh, to, to, to cover most of the scenery with it. You feel like you're there and it's ice cold. Like the, the snow that begins as you get, as you mentioned, begins to just increase throughout uh, each panel. You really feel like you're there in the cold with them. They, there are, you can see their, you can see Robin's breath in the cold as he's, as he's sitting there, just the details like that are just, just so, so, uh, so much what I love about this whole thing. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny, you know, we can, we'll talk about continuity or how this fits in or whatever. I don't know that you care enough or anybody cares enough, but Mr. Freeze not being, not having hands at the end of the, of the issue. Like I noticed it and I was like, I don't, I literally said to myself, I don't care. I don't care that he has hands and he's not a spider body. It doesn't matter where this fits in the continuity. It doesn't matter where this fits on the timeline. Like, that there's nothing wrong with that stuff, but I just loved being able to submerse myself into this world and in this issue. And without the, without the gorgeous visuals and the thing, just the stunning panels, the colors, the, the bright, like I love Robin's bright red sweater. I love Alfred's bright red mug and Santa hat. Um, I love that Bruce even has like a little bit of a smile as he's opening up his gift and, and sort of sitting there watching uh, Alfred and Tim interact. And uh, it's it, just the, the details, the callbacks to the, as you mentioned, the heart of ice with the, with the ballerina in the, the dancing ballerina in, in the snow globe. And just, it's great. It's great. Uh, this is, you know, I really loved uh, Jason Fabok's artwork on three jokers this year. I think that was that was up until this this story was my favorite artwork of the entire year. But I think at the end of the day, this is definitely takes the place above that. It's just it's so good. Everything about it is so enjoyable. And uh, I'm I'm just so happy that we got to enjoy enjoy a short little story like this to to wrap up the year for for our DCAU comic coverage, essentially uh for for 2020 it's it's just it was enjoyable it was great and it was a great uh great example that uh, you don't have to have a full-fledged uh multi-issue story necessarily although we crave that that's what we want but uh to enjoy this world sometimes it's just a simple simple eight page nine page story that we can just settle in and you get the right people working on it the people that understand the characters the people that understand what the artwork should feel like uh and this this story has all of those things together so uh just incredible yeah i i think that that just about says it all and and we could as as you said talk about it for probably another hour if we if we had the time but yeah it's it's an incredible job um by everyone involved on you know from from the writers to the art team to the letterer to the editor it's uh it's a i'm sure it's a it's a big team effort there and to pull off one of these big anthology books I'm sure is quite a task and and only having eight pages or so to work with to tell a full and sort of complete and satisfying story I'm sure that's not an easy task for writers or artists alike so the fact that they were able to do it and to do it so well is uh is really is really something to be admired just from uh you know from the just the professional standpoint of of just incredible writers, incredible art, and uh, you know, incredible artists. So 
So uh, yeah, two huge thumbs up for uh, for this story. Um, I there's other fun stuff in this. Tis the season to be freezing one shot, but I can honestly say that if if I hated everything else in that book, I think this story still would have been worth the uh, the cover price for the book. So I'm uh, I'm very glad that uh, that they were able to tell this story and that it that it came off so well. Agreed. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for the 2021 bonus episodes. While we still have one to come uh, later on next week, we are going to be finished with our DCAU comic coverage. We do have one additional issue of Justice League Infinity coming next month. So that will wrap up our comic coverage. And then we will be waiting with bated breath to see the future of DCAU tie-in comics. So uh, hopefully we'll have lots of news to rejoice. But uh, 2021 22 uh, hopefully will bring us more DCAU content but it's been a it's been a fun year as we said always fun to cover this DCAU stuff don't forget to check us out on our Instagram and Twitter at DCAU review you can interact with us there what was your favorite part of the Batman the adventures continue season two what did you think of this story here Uh, who was your favorite artist on the project this year Uh, you know would you like to see more Uh, collaboration between the world's finest let us know in our comments or tweet us at dcau review you can also interact with us on spotify if you listen to us there there's questions that we pose each week so uh, feel free to do that you can also send us feedback there speaking of spotify if you will we would love for you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app whatever that is Uh, subscribe so you get all the episodes and if it lets you leave a review we would certainly appreciate that could be your gift to us this holiday season and if you leave a review, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time, but we, we certainly appreciate it. Also, uh, don't forget, uh, we will be returning in 2022 with more reviews of standard DCAU episodes. We're excited to do that. We have some, some fun stuff planned and uh, stuff around the corner here as we have some milestones coming next year. It's going to be a fun 2022, hopefully better than 2021 for everybody. But uh, yeah, until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU. Adios. <laughs>